I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. In today's episode, we talk about keeping up hope and perseverance when it seems like the devil is throwing at us thing after thing after thing. You know, I refused to buy an advent calendar this year because as soon as you get them, their days are numbered. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 84. Good to be back with you. Life has been crazy. Let me tell you what. So let's get into our peak pit and plug. But before we do that, all of the announcement thingies, uh, the highest compliment you can pay to us is to share this episode with someone. So if you enjoy it, please share it, especially on social media. Find us on Instagram at Man of Food for Thought. And if you are liking this podcast and you've been listening to episodes, consider becoming a patron for as little as $1 a month to help support the podcast and you get access to goodies and things like that as those things become available. Go to our website, manafoodforthought.com, as well all of our other content that we provide, our weekly reflections are there. Uh, and if you haven't yet done so, please rate and review this podcast. Do both a rating and a review. That will help other people find it. Without further ado, our peak pit and plug. So, or my peak pit and plug. I got to get used to that. This is me. It's me. It's Matt. It's just Matt here. Um, my peak is that, well, the leak in our house is fixed. Um, so that took about a week or t- a week and a half to finally get fixed. Um, the uh, So that's great. And uh, no, no water leaking anymore. And that's awesome. The pit is that the homeowner's insurance is taking forever. Like an inordinate amount of time, like as if they're trying to take as long as possible. Uh, I've been keeping records, taking pictures, like keeping track of who I'm calling when, all these things, because it just seems like they are just not even working. You know, I I don't know. I know it's a crazy time. They're probably inundated, but if you could just pray for the situation, if anyone knows anyone at AIS or American Claims Management and you know, you just want to nudge someone or I don't know if you're high up there and you want to bring the hammer down for the glory of God to happen in my life, please, somebody just pray for us. So, um, and in the midst of all of that, um, Hannah had a fever for a couple of days, which was kind of scary, but it went away. Um, no diagnosis or anything, just, uh, you know, a little mild fever. It wasn't super serious, but with COVID and everything, we're pretty amped about it along with everything else going on. So, um, but, um, you know, we've met a lot of great people that we would not have met or interacted with otherwise in the course of this whole situation. And some really gracious people who are trying to help us. And pretty much we're all waiting on one person um, to finally make a decision. Um, and that person's apparently super busy and just taking their sweet time. So um, pray for Melissa. If you just pray for Melissa that she would get it together and make a decision, that would be great. Um, so we can get going. Anyways, that's my pit. Um, so pray for that. Um, ask for the intercession of our Blessed Mother. It's, you know, Super Merry Week this week. Uh, the day this comes out is the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. The day I'm recording this today is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception of Mary, uh, Tuesday, December 8th. And so, Mary, uh, just pray for this and us. My plug this week is something I am so excited about. Um, if you are on Spotify, which if you're not, what is your life? But if you are on Spotify, you need to follow an account called Grotto Network, G-R-O-T-T-O Network. Go find them, follow them, and click on public playlists. They have like 50 playlists that are inspired by the lives of saints. So you can find your favorite saint there, 
And they're amazing songs, not just praise and worship songs, but just beautiful songs from all these different genres that are inspired by the life of the saint. And then they have some for certain feast days, liturgical seasons, different events in the life of the church or church calendar. Um, Really awesome stuff. My daughter loves them. Um, We love them. The music is just really beautiful. So if you're looking for something new, maybe not your traditional praise and worship playlist, but you really want to dive into the spirituality of a saint and you like that kind of Uh, giftedness of music or the beauty of the music and praise and worship and that type of thing. Um, highly encourage you to check that out. And it's a, a big array of like hymns, contemporary, you know, folk, secular music, all these different things all combined to make up these playlists. So I am super excited. Shout out to my friend Bethany in North Carolina for uh, recommending that. And um, yeah, anyway, uh, this episode, I kind of want to talk about um, the pit situation you know, um, and also just whatever situation you're finding yourself in, because, you know, what do you do? This is a real question of this episode. What do you do? How do you have hope and perseverance when it seems like life is just throwing at you thing after thing, after thing, after thing, after thing, you know, we've had this, you know, so we have this leak in our house trying to get our homeowner's insurance or first of all, our home warranty to get someone out to fix it. They come out and say, oh, we're not going to cover this secondary damage. Call your homeowner's insurance. We try and get them to tell us what to do. They finally call us back and say, oh, you need to hire a plumber. We didn't know that. So we hire a plumber. They get it fixed. Plumber damages our shower. Great. And then finally, but the, the leak is fixed so we can get some water mitigation people to come in and tell us the process of drying it out once the homeowner's insurance approves it. They put a machine in our house that starts leaking water on our floor. So it's just like, you know, one step forward, two steps back kind of thing. Like, you know, what do you do? It's just like, you know, maybe at the end of this, we'll end up with a brand new house because of how people have messed up. I don't know. I'm not looking to milk this situation for anything more than just getting our house back and getting it fixed. So, but it just seems like lately, along with Hannah's fever and along with just the emotions of all of this and being out of our house and away from family for Thanksgiving and our Thanksgiving was not great. We, you know, we're dealing with a frozen turkey Thanksgiving morning and it was just tensions and emotions were high and it was just a culmination of all these ways we felt like we were failing and life was just too hard, you know? And so I don't know. I've just really been praying about what do we do when it feels like thing after thing after thing. And I've been praying about that and it just, it dawned on me that you know, when we experience that thing after thing after thing, we need to remind us that under normal circumstances, or that needs to remind us that under normal circumstances, that good forces, the grace of God, the angels, the intercession of the saints and Mary are all intervening to prevent thing after thing from happening to us under normal circumstances. So what I mean is, you know, in first Peter chapter five, verse eight, it says, be sober and vigilant. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So the devil is always trying to destroy us. The devil is always throwing thing after thing after thing after thing at you and me. And so when we're not experiencing that, which is 99% of the time, right, of our lives, that means that God is intervening 99% of those times to prevent us from experiencing all those negative things, all those attacks. And wow, like what... What a thing that I just never thought about and I completely took for granted was the the divine intervention of God and the powers of God in my life, the grace of God in my life because of the sacraments, prayer, um, just my faith life in general, the community that I have, the relationship with other people, the encouragement, all of that intervening in some way 
to prevent the devil's constant attack. What a gift and a beautiful, gracious realization that was for me. Just have gratitude for the fact that like, wow, if I can count on one hand the moments in my life where I felt like it's thing after thing after thing after thing, every other day was a miracle of divine intervention, of God preventing me from experiencing that reality that was still happening, of spiritual warfare and of the, the devil always trying to throw th those things at us. So praise God for 99.9% .9 of the time in our lifetime, we're not experiencing those moments of hopelessness and the onslaught of negative occurrences, setbacks, thing after thing after thing. That is how fervently God loves you and is fighting for you. It just makes me think of like the, kind of the real underdog story of the nativity of Jesus. Like from how far back in salvation history, God told us, you know, from Genesis chapter three, as soon as original sin entered the world, we have what's called the Proto-Evangelium, the first gospel where God promises and prophesies that someone will come and redeem us and undo what has been done because of sin. That God played the long game and he was always working, always making these covenants, always sending prophets, always announcing, promising that some point in the future, one would come like Moses, like Elijah, like a great prophet, one who would redeem us and save us. And how dark thing after thing after thing the Jewish people had gone through. You know, they ruined Garden of Eden. They're scattered all over the earth. Well, First, the whole wor world then uh, kind of reboots with Noah's Ark. Then they're scattered all over the world. Their language is confused with the Tower of Babel. They keep failing in covenant after covenant with Abraham. They're enslaved uh, in Egypt. They're set free, but then the promised land turns into a kingdom that then taxes them and then divides, and then they're gone into exile. Their whole temple is destroyed. All these things happen, thing after thing after thing. They come home, they rebuild, and then what happens? Another superpower comes in and takes over. They reclaim the temple again, and then Rome comes and takes over and oppresses them with taxes. The Pharisees and the Jews oppress them with religious laws that were not expected for them to follow, and this oral law that was oppressive, more taxes, more oppression, more thing after thing after thing after thing. And how does God come? in glory on a chariot of fire from the heavens, swiping down and cutting down all of the enemies? No, he comes in a humble manger in a small town of Bethlehem. Not really on any map. I mean, it was the, the city of David, but, you know, especially Nazareth where Jesus grew up. It was a backwater town, didn't have a Roman road to it. They Archaeologists and scholars estimate maybe about 200 families lived there, uh, or 200 people to 200 families, something like that. Very small tribal town. And that is where the Lord sought to come. And not as a big, glorious, you know, politician, military leader, influencer, anyone with a huge following, but as a humble, simple carpenter who no one gave a second thought to until he started ministering. And I just think that is so beautiful that out of this thing after thing after thing after thing that the Jewish people experienced, the redemption that came out of that, the promise that they held on to for generations, that they had hope in for generations that a Messiah would come, salvation would come, new life would come. I think about 
when this episode comes out, it's the story, it's the, the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I think about the underdog of St. Juan Diego, that many people who write about him uh, write as though he was believed to have some kind of um, mental disability. And uh, he came from a lower class. And how does Mary come and appear to him? Uh, first of all, she doesn't appear to the bishop. She doesn't appear to a political leader. She doesn't appear to a big city of people. But she appears to him as one of his people. She appears in the normal tribal characteristics. And so you see her looking like someone who lived there at that time. And anytime Mary appears, you know, all from Our Lady of Cabejo to her apparitions, you know, all over the world, she appears to the people as the people are. She comes to them, fulfilling the promises, fulfilling their hope, comes to them in their lowliness, in the places and times where they have probably felt like they were experiencing thing after thing after thing after thing. And the virtue and the word that really has been coming to me in the midst of all of this is perseverance. Which uh, perseverance, I mean, defined means persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. I mean, the Jewish people, like, that is tattooed to the forehead of their existence, right? Perseverance throughout generations, thousands of years, banking on promises of God that they constantly broke, but they knew God would be faithful to. In fact, that word perseverance comes from a Latin word, perseverancia, uh, which means uh, abiding by strictly. Meaning that not only do they adhere to it, no matter what, but also a sense of we can persevere because we are strictly aware of the abiding that exists in God and us, that he is with us constantly, even when we cannot see it. There's this famous passage in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, about this hope and endurance that we are meant to have as Christians. Uh, St. Paul says this to the church in Rome, not only that, but we even boast of our afflictions, We boast of thing after thing after thing, knowing that affliction produces endurance and endurance proven character and proven character, hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Hope is the antidote. Hope in Jesus Christ and the good news of his salvation is the vaccine, the antidote to our fear, worry, anxiety, suffering, doubt, sin, temptation, darkness, pandemic, this virus, financial loss, worry about where the next paycheck is going to be paid from, worry about how your children or the people in your family are dealing with this isolation. Hope in Jesus Christ is the answer. It is the thing we are all looking for. And trust me, I'm not saying that like it's easy, but I think if we can look to the Jewish people in the Old Testament as an example, and then the persecution that the early church and early Christians underwent, and the persecution that has continued every day since for Christians all over the world, we can see that for those small slivers of time and moments of our life where most of us, especially in the West and in the first world, experience thing after thing after thing, to keep in mind the deliverance and victory over evil and suffering that Jesus is winning daily in our lives when we do not experience that. This is what the Catechism says in paragraph 2728. Finally, our battle has to confront what we experience as failure in prayer, discouragement during periods of dryness. 
It continues, We have not given all to the Lord. Disappointment over not being heard according to our own will. Wounded pride, stiffened by the indignity that is ours as sinners. Our resistance to the idea that prayer is a free and unmerited gift, and so forth. The conclusion is always the same. What good is it? Uh, what good does it do to pray? To overcome these obstacles, we must battle to gain humility, trust, and perseverance. There is a God, and we are not him. That is humility. The open, ready, and willing acceptance of that reality. That control is an illusion, and that I can partner with God and make decisions by virtue of my free will to be close to him or distant from him. But ultimately, I have to trust that he can see forward in time, and I cannot. And I may, may be very wise and street smart, and I may know, like, okay, I've seen this happen before in my life. This is probably what, what might happen. But God is looking like millions of years into the future. Like, you know, he, he can see so much more, and with perfect clarity and precision, 100% accuracy. He can see, not that your choices are um, predestined, but he can see every possible choice that you can make and the outcome of every single one. He sees every single variable. It reminds me of if you've seen Avengers Endgame, where Doctor Strange, uh, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, kind of travels through future and the time through every possible outcome of this great battle that they have to fight against this seemingly unbeatable foe. And he says, you know, I've lived, you know, you know, I don't know, 12 billion, this however many million, thousand and four, you know, different permutations. And how many do we win? And he says, one, one. He, God can see forward in time and all those different things, and he can see every possible outcome. We still get to make the choice, but God already knows the second we make that choice, how do we get to that, and it's not just one, but how do we get to one of the several paths that can still lead to our good? And he will constantly work for that. And so the catechism continues in 2743, paragraph 2743, it is always possible to pray. The time of the Christian is that of the risen Christ, who is with us always, no matter what tempests may arise, our time is in the hands of God. It is possible to offer fervent prayer even while walking in public or strolling alone or seated in your shop while buying or selling or even while cooking. We can always be in the presence of God as people of hope, always ready and willing to encounter him in prayer, even when it's thing after thing after thing, even when it's like we don't have time. How do I even have time? Do it while you're cooking. Do it while you're brushing your teeth. Do it you know, whenever. I was encouraging my teens um, at a youth group that we had, not this past week, but the week before, um, that every time you look at the clock, to take note of the time and then ask yourself the question, what is God calling me to do right now? Because I think oftentimes, if we are so held up in the past, and the things we can't change, we become very depressed. If we're held up in the future and the things we do not know yet, we become people of anxiety and worry. But if we're people of the present moment, we can take ownership and control of our decisions, and then we can relegate the past to God's mercy and the future to hope in Jesus Christ. And we can be present to this moment. And so, you know, right now as I'm recording this, it's 225. What is the Lord calling me to do right now? What if we did that every time we looked at a clock, every time we looked at our watch, our phone, and we saw the time? That we would disconnect from the things that we cannot change in the past and all of our anxious musings and shadowy perceptions of the future. And maybe it's every time you turn on a light. Every time you hit a light switch. How can I, how is God shedding light in my life? What is he calling me to do? What is he shedding light on? 
And so, I don't know, I want to give you that encouragement to just know that hope is in Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ and the hope we have in him, the hope in resurrection and new life and all that he has given us in his mercy and his victory over evil, 99.9% of the time we don't even realize or experience it happening on a daily basis in our life. That is who we have hope in. And because we are experiencing thing after thing maybe right now, to take it with trust that the Lord is already seeking to turn it into a victory once again. So I don't know what your life looks like. I don't know what healing you need, what brokenness you feel, what worry is on your heart, frustration that you have at closures, at things that you cannot do, things that are life-giving, things that help you uh, mentally or emotionally that are taken away. But to have hope, to be creative, to reach out, to not neglect the opportunity that this can be to trust God more deeply and to persevere in the hope that we are promised. Because that is what proves endurance, proven character, and hope when we recognize our afflictions. And when we boast about them, as St. Paul says in Romans 3, like, yeah, life sucks right now. Life's a pit right now. It's thing after thing after thing. I don't know what to do. I'm overwhelmed. I want to quit. But to share that in community of people who love you, share that with people who are willing to listen and not just going to try and fix the problem and say, oh, try this. Be like, yeah, no, that sucks. I'm sorry. I feel that too. Let's pray together. Let's just come to God in the mess that we are. Let's reflect on the crucifixion. Let's reflect on the nativity and how messy that was, how messy the crucifixion was. And what came out of the nativity, but new life in the ministry of Jesus. What came out of the crucifixion? The resurrection, the church. Always, always new life. Always light shining in the midst of darkness. So every time you look at a clock or every time you turn on a light, be reminded, what is God calling you to do right now? And I mention the light because there is a saint whose name derives from the word for light that um, her name actually means daughter of light that I really felt attracted to for this episode. And that is Saint Philomena. Saint Philomena, you may have heard of her in passing. She's an early church martyr, um, one of the earliest known Christian martyrs, but her tomb was not discovered until 1802, almost 1500 years after her death. She was virtually unknown, completely unknown. Her tomb was discovered in a Roman catacomb in 1802. And everything that we know about her uh, other than the fact that she died a martyr for her faith at a young age, um, everything else that we know about her, we know because um, of a, a nun's vision, a Neapolitan nun from Napoli, Sister Maria Luisa di Gesù, um, that uh, St. Philomena, uh, Philomena, she claims, came to her and told her her story. And so this is what we believe to know about St. Philomena. Um, that she died for a martyr for her faith at about 13 or 14 years old. She was of noble birth. Her parents were Christian converts, and she was possibly even a Greek princess. But from a very young age, she dedicated her life to Jesus Christ and took a vow of chastity, of virginity. Um, in, in 1802, as I said, in May, the remains of her were discovered in the catacombs of Priscilla on the Via Salaria Nova. Uh, this is like... I don't know, uh, northeast of the central Rome where the Vatican and stuff is, kind of outside the main city center. 
And all that is really known about her life, as I said, comes from the story of this sister. Um, but after her father uh, took his family to Rome um, to make peace, so something happened. Um, she was the daughter of a Greek king, uh, this is what is believed from this vision, who converted to Christianity. And so her father took his family to Rome um, to, um, I guess, to make peace for something that had happened. That's unclear. But the emperor at the time, Diocletian, who's a particularly terrible uh, Roman emperor in history, he fell in love with Philomena, um, which was not that uncommon at the time, but by modern standards, gross. So when she refused to marry him, um, she was cruelly tortured in several different ways for over a month. So she was scourged. She was drowned with an anchor attached to her. She was shot with arrows. Every time, uh, each time she was um, attacked, angels took to her side and healed her through prayer. So she miraculously survived all these attempts on her life. So finally, and this happens in a lot of saints' lives, remember the episode on St. Dennis, um, she was finally beheaded. So despite these tortures, um, she did not waver in her love for Jesus. She did not uh, recant her vow of virginity to him. Um, and according to the story, her death came on a Friday at three in the afternoon, just as Jesus did. And so um, in her, uh, in the tiles in her tomb uh, were symbols, uh, two anchors, three arrows, and a palm of martyrdom and a flower were all found. Um, and those were all interpreted to be symbols of her martyrdom, very common symbols for her martyrdom and the ways that she was killed or attempted to be killed. Um Miracles started to be attributed to her intercession once her tomb was discovered. They were so numerous that she was canonized based uh, on these miracles and her death as a martyr. She became known as the Wonder Worker. And devotion to St. Philomena began to spread once her bones were exhumed and these miracles started to occur. Um, and so someone named Canon Francesco de Lucio of Mugnano de Cardinale, he received relics of St. Philomena and had them placed in the church of Our Lady of Grace in Mugnano, Italy, or Mugnano, Italy. Soon after those relics were there, people started getting cured of cancer, wounds were healed, um, the miracle of Mugnano, where um, someone who's now venerable, Venerable Pauline Yaricot, was cured of a severe heart issue overnight. All of these were attributed to St. Philomena. Other saints, or future saints, began to venerate her, attributing miracles in their lives to St. Philomena, and that includes St. John Vianney and St. Peter Louis Marie Chanel. Uh, and St. John Vianney said something actually really incredible about St. Philomena that was echoed by Pope Gregory XVI. St. John Vianney said something uh, to the effect of, to St. Philomena, God refuses nothing. And, or he said, or elsewhere also said, God will refuse her nothing that she asks for us. Pope Gregory XVI said, whatever you ask from her, she will obtain for you. She is often represented by a lily for purity, a crown and arrows for martyrdom, and an anchor. The anchor, as I said, which was found inscribed on her tomb, is one of her instruments of torture, but it was an early, popular early Christian symbol of hope. Her feast day is August 11th, and um, besides being the patroness of impossible causes, along with St. Jude, she's also the patroness of babies, orphans, and youth. Um, and we're including a novena to St. Philomena in the uh, show notes to this episode. Um, and I just love that she is a patron of impossible causes, because I think I think we've all, in some way shape or form felt some kind of impossibility um, to this whole circumstance and situation that we find ourselves in over these past nine months and um, it's just so interesting to me that the symbol still to this day in Christianity for hope is an anchor you know something that you think would weigh you down 
and stop you from moving can actually save you, can be your salvation, can be uh, the best thing that you could possibly do. It can provide a sense of stability, a sense of direction, an opportunity to pause, reorient, and rechart your course. And so um, I just love that that symbol of her death and something that seems very, I don't know, practical, heavy, that would weigh you down, much like the situation, um, practical rules put in place to kind of prevent the coronavirus spreading, but still very difficult, slowing us down, causing us not to feel like we have any movement or direction in our life, can actually be our salvation if we anchor those things in the hope we have in Jesus Christ and recognize that thing after thing after thing is not going to last forever because God is always victorious in the end. And so instead of complaining or despairing, what if we pay attention to the fact that God is allowing us to experience this onslaught of things so that we might be able to more readily pay attention to the victory that he is and will claim over them? That has been my prayer lately, and I hope it uh, comforts you in your prayer and your worry and the ways that you are experiencing this whole situation and whatever else is going on in your life. Because, you know, we're not all just experiencing only the pandemic. Life has continued to happen. You know, hence water leak in my house, fever of child, you know, all these things going on. And in the midst of a holiday season, which this year will be particularly difficult for many people because of how many have been unexpectedly lost. And the holidays being difficult already for people who have lost loved ones and maybe celebrating for the first time a holiday season without them. So I think it's important we pray for one another. We be people of hope. We preach hope in what we do to not be people who are doom and gloom Christians. Even if everything around us seems like it's falling apart, thing after thing after thing to recognize, I know from thousands of days previous to this in my life that God has prevented thing after thing after thing before and he will in this situation. So I cling to him and I ask for the, the miraculous intercession of St. Philomena for all of our needs, all of our worries and anxieties, all the ways we need physical healing, mental healing, emotional and spiritual healing. Pray, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit and that our intentions would be lifted up to you through that miraculous intercession of St. Philomena and that you would grant them and bless them according to your will, Lord. Help us to be people of hope and to not forget that you are always with us, always fighting for us, always abiding by us strictly, as the word perseverance means and reminds us. Let us always be people of hope. We pray all of this in your most precious name, Jesus. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Know that we are praying for you. I am praying for you. I, me, just me here. I am praying for you. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. Have a wonderful Merry Week and a blessed rest of your Advent and Christmas season.